Matka, otce, Spider-Man. Matka, otce, Spider-Man. Episode 234 for June 2013. Spider-Man Crawl Space Podcast is sponsored by MailOrderComics.com. They have discounts that start at 38 and they go up to 75% off the cover price of new comics and trades. An example of their great prices is on Scarlet Spider number 21. And this one, Kane is at his lowest point and he comes face to face with Ben Riley. Is it a dream or is it the real deal? You're just going to have to find out. And the cover price is $2.99. Mail order has it for just a buck 85. So check them out at mailordercomics.com. Okay, tackling message board questions. Our first one is from Spider Nerd. Hi, guys. I hope you're all having a good month and that things are going well. Brad, what inspired you to start the Spider-Man website? Uh, let's see. Um, it was 1998. Websites were popular. I mean, well, websites were coming in. Everybody was specializing. I uh, saw the spiderfan.org site. I saw Sam Ruby. I'm li- and and I, I wanted to talk to other spider fans. I wanted to uh, get a little niche on the web, uh, so to speak. And because uh, where I grew up, I di- couldn't talk to, about Spider-Man or comic books to anybody. I didn't have any friends that collected. Uh, nobody at school collected. So I wanted to see if they, anybody was out there. And hence, I found a whole bunch of you guys. Uh, also, Spider Nerd has a. I would like to make a proposition to the admins of the site. I noticed that <laughs> Brad, has Brad. during the reviews of Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon. Really, I thought we solved that problem, but I guess we didn't. If they are done. <laughs> They are not done regular. I like to offer my services by reviewing the newest episode of the cartoon. Uh, yeah, we have a guy that does it. Uh, I wish he would put it out more regularly. He uh, put one out a couple weeks ago, and it was it was uh, it was one of the most popular. It was in the top ten for a while on the left hand side of the page. He wrote the second episode like like this week, didn't he? Uh, it, it, it was it was up there, and it was it was popular. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, we do need a regular reviewer. I don't know how many ish episodes have come out of that cartoon yet. All right, Aziz, his location, swinging away from the interviewer, having pickles and jelly sandwiches for lunch. Makes no damn sense. <laughs> uh, that quote I asked you about earlier this year, he puts the in and in saying, comes from the Punisher part in the Omega FX story, which is my favorite story in Avenging. What's your favorite issue from that series, uh, from issue 1 to 115? From uh, Avenging? I mean, 50.1. Which one? What? Anybody answer that one? Fifty point one was okay. I agree. I dropped good. Avenging after issue two until I got to fifteen point one. Honestly, you know the uh, the most recent issue with uh, the chameleon on the on the raft. I thought that was pretty good. I liked. That I, I, I liked it a lot when I saw it in the movie theaters last May. <laughs> uh, the one who's. To the people who have played Spider-Man 3 for the PlayStation 2, do you suppose those fruit pie advertisements in the old comics had a thing to do with the Spider-Man delicious fruit pies in the game? Nope. Quinky dink. Uh, could be. Could be. Of course it did. Of course it did. Uh, Chris, Don, and Bertoni, what do you think of the voice of Roger Craig Smith for Captain America? He did his voice in Ultimate Spider-Man Episode 23 and the current Avengers Assemble animated. And do you think he could be a proper voice for young early days Batman in the Arkham prequel coming the 25th of October? No. 
Um, although I did watch that episode earlier today, and surprise, it sucked. But uh, he was he was a decent voice for Cap. I thought he did a pretty good job. I'm uh I'm sure I've seen or heard he's Cap in what now? Uh, the... Ultimate Spider-Man and the Avengers Assembled cartoon. Well, I've certainly seen Cap in Ultimate Spider-Man. I think. I've only actually seen the first couple episodes of that show, so maybe I haven't seen him in it. But if I have, I guess my opinion is that he's forgettable because I, I can't place it. That's what you said last month. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't think that's, that's the same. Question, I don't think yeah. I've ever been blown away by a Captain America voice. I think he's a hard voice to screw up because all you have to do is just sound authoritative and and heroic. But you know, I, I've never really been wowed by it. All right, uh, we have Iron Patriot from China. To Josh, which era of Spidey has the best supporting cast, in your opinion? See, that's it would be very easy to say the Lee Ramita era, and I almost think that, like, um, to answer the question fairly, you need to take them out of the writing, because it's kind of like with uh, Fight Club on the message board, where you can't use Batman because it's just always unfair. So, um, <laughs> so, yeah, so discounting that... Um, I would have to say because that, that, the problem is like throughout the decades they they've gone back to the Lee Ramita supporting cast in different ways like you know during the McFarlane run they're hanging out with Harry and Liz and Flash and stuff so I mean that's still technically that supporting cast so I guess in terms of the substitute supporting cast people I think that um the biggest effort was made during the Marv Wolfman years when you had the Daily Globe, you had uh, Barney Bushkin, um, the mysterious K.J. Clayton, who turned out to be a woman, like two different women, which was weird. Um, April May, uh, let's see, and, um, beg your pardon? Yeah, Lance Bannon was, like, the tail end of that. Like, Marv Wolfman had already gone, and he only had, like, one or two appearances. And then over in the graduate school, you had, um, Marcy Kane, um, Deborah Whitman, Steve Hopkin, Philip Chang, Professor Sloan. And while these people were interacting with Peter at his job and at his school, you know, to help these characters grow and become established, they wrote out the other characters, you know. Harry and Liz, you know, moved to New Jersey and had eloped. Um, Betty and Ned were off having marriage counseling somewhere. Uh, Mary Jane told Peter to lose her number and left the books for a while. So I think I like that era in that as much as I love those characters, I do like that they tried something different and something interesting. Times when they've tried to introduce new supporting characters since then, like the Tricor people, they do too many people at once. Or in some cases you have, you have, sorry, uh, lost my train of thought there. (laughs) There's a lot going on and it's the middle of the night in in some cases, you have writers who will try and establish characters, but because there's multiple books, the writers will have their own pet characters, and those characters will either be dropped during the next run or or just never followed up on or never developed past their initial appearances. And that's kind of what I think what I'm afraid is going to happen with Horizon, that one Stan slot's done, you know, that'll be the last we'll see of Max Modell or something. And that's why nobody's ever been able to move past Lee Ramita, because people don't want to develop the new characters. They want to, you know, either create their own or bring back Lee Dicko. But uh, I think that answers the question. I, I agree completely. Slot When Slot goes, Modell is gone. And so is Horizon. 
Uh, to Don, what do you think was the most creatively done fights? By the way, Iron Patriot, that is a great-looking avatar. I love that suit from the new movie. I mean, I just love that thing. Uh, what do you think are... Donovan, what do you think are the most creatively done fights in either Spidey in either Spidey or comics in general? Well, that's why you shot that, Brad. Uh, not really. Um, <laughs> um, Spider-Man, you know, I gotta say that like I really enjoyed this fight between Spider-Man and Moreland, because that's like, the first time I've ever seen Spider-Man in such a desperate, violent fight. And I had not read the uh, the Juggernaut story that came decades before, but I thought that was really awesome. And also, like, in Marvel Knights, I really enjoyed how viscerally, like, like intense the fight between Green Goblin and Electro was. Like, I love when Electro kind of blows up everything. And then, like, he's talking to, like, uh, Vulture or... Uh, so Spider-Man kind of gets the guy behind and just, like, starts beating the crap out of him. And then, like, Electro electrocutes, like, the water on the ground and knocks him out. I, like, the fights in Marvel Knights was actually really, really cool for uh, Spider-Man. I kind of want to see that kind of action back in the comics. I agree. What was the... What was the... Um, I don't know if people will like it, but I thought it was a fun fight where the letters from the Daily Bugle were falling down. And it was like, you... Not you, or something like that. I think it was a slot issue. This, like, this has been brought to you by the... I think it was um, the first Menace arc in um, Brand New Day. It was funny. I, I really enjoyed that one. I just thought that was that, funny. Uh, slot did the first arc. Who did the second arc? Um, it was Guggenheim. Guggen- yeah, Guggenheim. I, I think Guggenheim, yeah. I remember like one of those issues began with, you know, make sure you're not reading this near your Xbox. We don't want you to get distracted. And I thought that that was like a really, really... <laughs> yeah. Friendly Indian from the uh, location, the Force Moon of Endor. That was in in India. Four four posts. He's a new poster. Welcome. Uh, To the gang, uh, I'm trying to get my little cousin into Spider-Man, so my question is, what Spidey stories would you recommend for a kid who's never read a Spidey comic? Um, The Master Planner arc is good. Yeah. Know know your cousin. Know what he's into. Yeah. JR, what would you recommend? I've been... been (laughs) I've been trying to think of one. I know I certainly wouldn't recommend any of the modern stuff. (laughs) Um, I mean, you probably try to get Spencer to read monthly Spider-Man. He just doesn't do it, does he? I never really tried to. If he wanted, if he wanted to, I, if he wanted to, I, um, I let him. But uh, he never. um, I never forced him to. I'm trying to think of what he did like, though. He was kind of into. I was trying to think. I think he was actually kind of into the Scarlet Spider there for a while, but uh, it was a long time ago. I, you know, I honestly don't know. I, I think I just remember enjoying the old Lee Ditko stuff mm-hmm. because it was just—I don't know. It was—it was simple. Uh, the stories were simple. They were sh- typically short, but you still had Spider-Man's trademark goofy wit. Um, you know, it just was, it was, and all the new, all the villains were introduced. You know, I mean, each issue had a new, colorful villain who who now is fairly famous. So, you know, I, I know it's no cliche as says, "Oh, you go go back to the very beginning and read the old stuff." But I think for a number of reasons, maybe it really would be the old stuff. Yeah, for some kids that um, are just starting to read, I've I've gone to the back issue bin and I've given them copies of Spider's Spidey Super Stories, and while those storylines are fairly elementary and, you know, quite stupid. The art is good, and um, the kids get a kick out of the fact that, like, they can easily read these stories, and, mm-hmm. you know, and it helps make reading fun, and they've learned it. I, I've used that a few times, and, and it's always been successful. 
Yeah, I, I had a subscription to Spidey Super Stories when I was a little kid. I had what did I have a subscription to? Amazing Spider Man, Spidey Super Stories, um, Peter Parker, Speck, and Hulk. That was my subscription. You, you know what I also kid. read as a kid? Our Untold Tales what? of Spider Man because like that's basically the Ditko mm-hmm. run, but you know slightly modernized. But that was actually really nice for me to get, to get me and my brother into Spider Man as a kid. Yeah, that was a really good book. At that time, I, I would get my comics once a month, and um, at the time, the Clone Saga was going on, and I wasn't as interested. And Untold Tales was the very first Spider-Man comic I read every month for, like, whatever the 25-issue run was. So that was the best-written book, in my opinion. I, or was that when Burn was coming out with the chapter I one? I think it was. No, that was in the Clone Saga, I think, maybe. I think it was earlier. Clone Saga, too. Uh, our buddy Big Al from Edgeware. Uh, I hope you aren't doing a late night marathon like last month. Well, guess what? <laughs> we are. It's 1248 a.m., 148 a.m. for Bertoni, and who else? For me. Yeah. It's only 1148 for me. <laughs> what did you think of the pregnancy when, is, when it was introduced in the Clone Saga? I thought it was a great idea and a completely logical extension of Spider-Man's life, uh, and frankly, I'm trying to remember exactly what year. But my daughter was my daughter was born in 1994, so this was one of those almost like kismet things, you know. Because, like I said, I uh, I met my uh, my the woman who became my wife around the same time uh, Peter and Mary Jane got married, and here Mary Jane gets pregnant not too far from around when my daughter was born. So you it did just, it on purpose. Uh, yeah, yeah, I did it. On, yep. Uh, well, it's, it's a natural progression of responsibility is what it is, I thought. Well, I, you get married, well, and in just life, you get married, eventually you have yeah. kids, you know. Uh, exactly. And, and I, I, I wanted to see Spider-Man as a father. I just didn't see, I didn't see a damn thing wrong with it. You know, I mean, I, I thought that there was a lot of potential there. Um, I mean, I do see, I do see the other side, but... No, I just I really thought I thought that was just a, a, a missed opportunity that they didn't that they uh, that they never uh, followed through with it. Yeah, I, I can see the argument also. Uh, Donna Bertoni has often been said that Mary Jane in the 1990s cartoon, the Ultimate Comics, and the Raimi's film was more like Gwen Stacy, beyond being cloned, having a passing interest in science, falling off bridges, dating Peter Parker. This is a good question. <laughs> Do you feel any of these vi- versions are like Gwen at all? I'm being huh? chased by a clown. <laughs> there goes my film <laughs> career up in smoke. <laughs> um, no, no, that, that version was a bitch. She was flighty. I may have partial amnesia. <laughs> well, I mean, in fairness, I think that like the '90s cartoon, there there are some similarities, possibly. But I think overall, she was like about as Mary Jane as Mary Jane was at the time. She was a bit ditzy, but I mean, she still had her. Which when she was introduced, she was very much like the Ramita. Lee, Stan Lee, you know, like, you know, face the tiger, you the jackpot, um, you know, I just realized I can do science all by myself, chow, tiger, that kind of thing, um, <laughs> and the Raimi films, I think that Mary Jane was just kind of a blank slate, bland character, I don't think, I mean, you can, you can call her Gwen, but I don't really see a strong similarity there, I just think that's an easy comparison to make for people who don't really use their brains, and in the older comics, a bit, kind of, yeah. For Mary Jane in the 90s show versus Gwen in the comics, you have to look no further than when Peter grew six arms, because in the comics when Gwen called him and he's like, um, I can't go out with you tonight, Gwen, Gwen cried, said, you know what, maybe I'm overreacting, called the house again, and then cried again. 
Um, Mary Jane called him, you know, in the show when that happened. Peter tried to avoid her, and she said, no, 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 no. You've been avoiding me for weeks. We're talking about this now. And she stormed over to his house to try and see him. Like, she was assertive. She wasn't crying on the couch. And when Peter went missing, she's like, we're going to wait for him together, Mrs. Parker. So I, I don't think that there's that many similarities between. Yeah. yeah. Let's see. Bertoni, as a fan of the Fantastic Four and Daredevil, what do you think of Dark Devil and the Fantastic Five in the MC2 universe, especially Elijah marrying Johnny Storm? Uh, see, I don't know a lot about Dark Devil. I never read his miniseries, but I read him in Spider-Girl, and I'm kind of confused by like him because it, it's okay. Yeah. It's the illegitimate son of Ben Riley and the girl mm-hmm. from Lost Years, but he's been possessed by the soul of Matt Murdock. Or something. And I guess that sounds about the best explanation. And I read the damn thing. <laughs> I, I, I'm serious. Like, something like that happened. It's And again, like, uh, Spider-Girl never found this out in her series. Um, but I think this was explained in the Dark Devil mini that I didn't read. But he was an interesting character. And, like, an interesting... I liked how, um, in Spider-Girl, like, Mayday had these different mentors who had different styles for her. And, like, Dark Devil was, like, very, very, you know... Uh, was a lot rougher with her than people like Phil Urich were. Um, I liked um, the Fantastic Five, because um, I, I read only, like, a few issues of it came out, um, and I liked them when they appeared. And those issues were fun. I mean, it was Tom DeFalco, and was Paul Ryan doing the art for Fantastic Five? I think, uh, yeah, I think he was. Right, because I actually, a lot of people I, really, really hate the Paul Ryan, Tom DeFalco, Fantastic Run in the 90s. See, I like it. I, yeah, I, I like loved, it. I'm, yeah, I'm with you. I loved it. And, and I, I too. And I thought that the Fantastic Five stuff was interesting. And um, I think Lija is absolutely crazy, but her marrying Johnny Storm, it's, it, it's kind of funny for me because as much as that relationship, I should not like that relationship at all, but I find it absolutely fascinating. Yeah. So I like that they got married. Uh, to everyone, uh, let's see. Chris, you can have this one. We haven't had one your way. Oh, we all know that Mar- Marvel felt the marriage age Spider-Man, but technically didn't his contemporaries like Harry, Liz, Betty, and Ned get married, divorced, have kids, or dying kind of age him as well? Yeah, it, it is kind of uh, BS, really, um, in my opinion. He's trapped. Yeah, I mean... I guess if, if you, if, unless you want him to age continuously, you kind of have to freeze him somewhere. But I, I've always been of the, posi- of the position that he should just sort of age very slowly. And yeah, the logic is like, you know, yeah, well, if you do that, eventually he'll be a senior citizen. But if he ages like a year every ten years, like that's not a problem for like another hundred years of comics or something. Um, but like the. He's right, though. The uh, like Harry's been married and divorced and has a kid, and that kid is like apparently is depicted as being like a, at least like a five year old or something. So, you know, it, it is kind of I understand where he's coming from. No oh, doubt, it's frustrating. All your friends are aging. What, what's what's a, what's a character that uh, I guess it could be like Wolverine. Well, also, like, the fact is, like, uh, a lot of those writers, this actually just read in, like, one of my recommendations, uh, at the time they were reading, you know, writing those books, they were aging, getting married, and having children, too. So they were just kind of, you know, making Spider-Man relatable by writing what they knew. And um, I think, you know, and we've made the comment before that, like, the current writers now are kind of, like, 
the, the argument could be made that they are kind of living vicariously off of this young version of Peter Parker, which, you know, is an opinion to have. But um, I think that, like, that, that was sort of, like, the thing back then. Like, because you look at comics everywhere at that time, everybody, like, even Dick Grayson at one point was nearly married. Everybody was getting married, you know, continuing their lives. And, like, you know, once the 90s ended, people kind of want to just really relive their 20s. Yeah. Let's see. To any MC2 readers, besides old villains like Hobgoblin or legacy villains like Lady Ock, who are your favorite Spider-Girl villains? Personally, I really liked Mayhem. That was the clown one, wasn't it? Uh, I, remember, I, I remember ones like Crazy 8, to be honest. Like, it's been... I haven't read a Spider-Girl book since 2010. And I read, like, the first, like, dozens of issues of it. And, see, I don't remember the villains as much as I remember the other stuff. Like, I remember... You know, the characters. I remember the stuff that happened to her in school. I remember, like, you know, her interaction with Kane. And I remember the Hobgoblin story just because of how epic it was. Um, there was a lady vulture who was, like, a villain. and then, mm, But then, like, yeah. she, she married Norm, Normie Osborn. Um, <laughs> yep, I remember that. Yeah, and, and for a while... I, I, I'm going to be honest, I don't remember a lot of the original villains from that, and that's no offense to DeFalco and the team from that, it's just, it's been a while, and... Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. JR, you read the book, any villains you liked that were exclusive to Spider-Girl? Uh, I actually, it wasn't quite exclusive to Spider-Girl, because uh, it was DeFalco bringing back a villain from the um, from his old Green Goblin run, but uh, I liked it when he brought a Angel, I liked Angel Face. Uh, and it turned out that Crazy Eight and um, some other villain were her children. But I, I just like the idea of this teenage girl having this older, middle-aged woman as a villain. And, and Angel Face was just absolutely crazy. I, I kind of like that character. And he did great things with the uh, the Hobgoblin. He yeah. did very well with the Hobgoblin. Yeah. Spider, Spider. Uh, <laughs> Ghost Squirrel. Uh, two posts. <laughs> Squirrel is helping Spider-Man's head in his avatar. All of you, if you got to make your own Spider-Man movie, what actors would you choose for these characters? Peter, MJ, and... Uh, all, all of them. And who would the villain of your movie be, and who would you cast? Okay, for Eddie Brock, John Cena. Full stop. Ah, good choice. Uh, this, 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 is what, this is where we need Kevin. Yeah, I'm not very good at casting. I really am not, because I... Andrew Garfield's fine with me. He's doing. I think it is. I think Andrew Garfield has like you know, has the ability to be perfect. I mean, I think that like uh, I, I, however you want to write Spider-Man from the comics, Andrew Garfield has portrayed to be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. See, it's the only actors and actresses who I know are people who I see in TV shows, and and some movies, and even then, like I'm like, oh yeah, I guess I saw that actress in this other show. No, and, and most of them, man. and most of them are too old or too young. Who would be fun? Uh, Uncle Phil from the Fresh Prince. <laughs> can you imagine? <laughs> can you imagine if, if they made Morgan Freeman Uncle Ben? Like how how fandom would act? Because he's Peter's uncle, not his father. Like he could be any color. If they had a black Uncle Ben, oh god, the Uncle Ben's rice jokes. Those would be all over the place. <laughs> the movie would be very slow because of his talking. I, now the <laughs> casting of this, I like. He aims one of Bertoni. Who would you cast as Betty? And how would you I, kill I, her? I, <laughs> yes, you, 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 you just do the punchline. <laughs> The 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 gal who what's the name of the actress that uh, was in the Raimi movies as Betty uh, Elizabeth Elizabeth Banks I, I I don't think she can be crazy enough <laughs> uh, when I first read this question I could not stop laughing because I loved how like the next logical conclusion for me casting Betty in the movie would be like, 
like to kill her immediately. Um, I, I go back to, you know what? Um, I was talking about this when I did a guest spot on Fantastic Ash. She's probably too old, but um, there's a woman. Let me look up her name. Does anyone watch uh, the Carrie Washington show, Scandal? Uh, it looks very good. It's on Netflix. I've con- contemplating. Carrie Washington's really hot. <laughs> <laughs> there's a woman who plays the first lady, and as soon as Wikipedia comes up, I'm oh, going to her? get... Yeah, dude, dude that, she, she is like, she is Betty Brant in that show. What's, what, 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 one more time I, I was distracted, what? What character? Um, the first lady on that show. Um, where? First lady. Okay, Be- Bellamy Young. Okay, let's, let's all look at her. Yeah, but if you watch her on the show, though, like, her character is, is Betty Brant. The problem is, I think that the actress is too old. I think that Betty Brant would have to be a contemporary of... The actress is 43 years old, it looks like. Yeah. Oh, apparently she was on Two and a Half Men, according to Google Image. Yeah, is she just crazy on the show? Um, oh my gosh, min- very, very manipulative. Very, very, yeah. and like, and when she has her first lady hair, like she looks like she could be Betty Brandt. Um, That's funny. You see, I don't know, actresses. How would I kill Betty Brandt off? It would have to be in a very ironic way. I, I should, I should have thought this through. Um, I like the idea Maybe- of, of her getting crushed by something heavy. Maybe uh, as she's trying to blow up a guy's apartment, she d- blo- dies in the apartment. <laughs> she, locks, she locks herself in the... In the you know, boom! Yeah. <laughs> I love how I the like blowing it. up the apartment thing, which is canon, that did happen. Like, that's become, like, you know... <laughs> this obscure continuity reference has now become this, like, you know, commonplace thing. With her. I, maybe she... Maybe she would get shot by Ned Leeds after, like... Actually, no, because then everyone would feel sorry for her. Because then, yeah, then it's domestic abuse. I don't know. Maybe she tries to kill Ned and accidentally kills She falls off a building and Flash Thompson it. tries to grab her legs with a symbiote and, like, snaps her neck. <laughs> no. Flash Thompson, don't you dare touch me with that symbiote. I'd rather fall to my death than be touched by the likes of you, right? Oh! And then, he get, then she gets drunk and goes to Australia. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, we're, we're coming back to JR's topic from the first hour we recorded. <laughs> Uh, Lockdown, which is Ryan from our front page who does the uh, vidcast reviews of Superiors. Oh, Ryan, you do, good, you do a good job with that, sir. I wanted to compliment you publicly on that. Uh, hey, guys, I, I hope summer is off to a great start for everyone. Just two questions for everyone this month. If you could have any Spider-Man miniseries created, what would it be and who would star in it? I'll answer this one. I want to find out the origin of the the symbiotes. Not, the, not those stupid annuals that uh, were... The super specials? Yeah, the super specials. Those are horrible. What is the origin of the black suit? And where does do the symbiotes come from? We've gone 30 years without knowing that answer. Was that not, was that not explained in Planet of the Symbiotes? I thought it was explained. Well, not very well. <laughs> <laughs> it was yeah. like... It was like it, the symbiotes were all like, I guess, parasites, but the Venom symbiote was a free thinker, and he was the rebel of all the symbiotes, and he wanted to, like, bond with his host and, like, you know, help enhance its host while the other symbiotes want to kill its host. So they locked him up in, like, you know, symbiote jail, and that's what Spider-Man freed him from in Secret Wars. Are you kidding me? <laughs> it's, it's rough, man. That's rough. I hate that. I, I, I guess I'm I've pretty sure that that's it. Yeah. It's horrible, horrible. Anybody else? What miniseries would you like that you'd buy? Oh, wait, um, th- this is going to sound like so stereotypical crawl space. Like I'm almost afraid to say this because I think like it's too predictable. But I think Betty that uh, what? Oh no, Betty Brant. <laughs> I- actually, I was going to say Mary Jane because Mary Jane. Um, yeah. 
she's been an important character in Spider-Man for a while, and, like, aside from those Mary Jane, you know, like, teen drama series, the 616 Mary Jane, like, hasn't done anything on her own. The only thing is, um... I want Mary Jane to be on some sort of adventure or something, but it can't involve Peter Parker or Spider-Man because then it becomes a Peter Parker Spider-Man story. You like a Mary Jane solo story where Mary Jane is the driving force and whatever her motivation is, it can't be, you know, about a man or something or Peter or something like that. It's a nice idea. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Black Cat got her own miniseries. Why can't we have a Mary Jane miniseries? Maybe one day Black Cat will get a good one. Although her 90s one was had some good art. She was hot in the 90s one. The one where she had the detective agency, or what was it? Yeah, yeah, the cat's yeah. eye agency. Yeah, that wasn't bad. JR, is there many you would like? You know, I was trying to think of one, and minis are historically so bad. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, you know, I mean, I don't. I honestly, try, I, I don't want to see a. I don't want to see the Green Goblin in one. To be honest, I, I frankly, I'd rather him not be, appear for a while because I don't know anybody's going to get him right. Uh, no. I, I like the idea of a Mary Jane one, probably more so than anything else. To be honest, yeah. Chris, you got one. Um, I, I've, this whole time I knew you were going to call on me. <laughs> and I've been thinking and straining my brain, but like honestly, most of the characters—if a character is good enough to support a story—I'd probably rather see that character be in a long-form, ongoing series because I just, yeah. to me, those are the more satisfying stories where you really get to see the the uh, vision build on itself over time. Um, I, I'm trying to even think of like a mini series that I've even liked. I I I. I the only one I can think of is Dan Slott's uh, Human Torch Spider-Man one. So yeah. maybe maybe if Dan Slott did some other Spider-Man team-up where they did a, a different issue taking place in a different era of Spider-Man, that, uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't mind seeing a sequel to that. Spider-Man that, and Daredevil would be a that, cool one. That would be a good yeah. one if you did... They've, if you, they've done that before, though, but yeah. it's... If you but did but in, in the style of Human Torch. Yeah, if you did each issue oh, yeah. in a different decade... That would be very interesting. Well, they did that have a different with, girlfriend uh, on each X- issue. <laughs> they did that with X Men, that with Fantastic Four, and both of those were taking place in different eras. Yeah, that was, good they weren't as good as the slot one. I'll give you that. Yeah, every time Murdoch's like, "Oh, Heather Glenn, you are the light of my life, and I will never let Foggy Nelson and Black Widow kill you." And then the next <laughs> issue, "Oh, Gloriana O'Brien, you are the love of my life. I will uh, never." A let caveat you kill. would be that I, I want it to be in. I don't want to retroactively add like one more day continuity into these things. So, uh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I want it to be in issue number four. Daredevil, like Matt Murdock and Peter Parker, have the closest. Uh, personal relationship ever in issue number five. Daredevil has no fucking clue who he is. Um, <laughs> sorry, I dropped an F bomb. This is what happened. Sorry, this right. is the down. It's Two a.m. I, I got one more quick one. Go ahead, Don. Uh, Robert Robertson. I think that uh, kind of an underused in a while. I think that like talking dwelling upon you know his his miscarriage, his relationship with Tombstone, his relationship with his son, and you know. Kind of you know coming up in the world of newspaper business and kind of because I like I really genuinely like the stuff he had with his son in the Stanley era where like his son is trying to you know make it on his own he's trying to tell him you know like, well you're successful in the white man's world and all that kind of stuff it might sound preachy but I think that there's some genuinely good stuff in there. Robbie hasn't had any character development since what the late 80s early 90s with the Tombstone arc. Um, 
In the in the late nineties, I remember like you know he was quitting because he didn't like what Jonah Jonah cowering to Norman, but then it kind of went nowhere because he was supposedly looking for Baby May. He found Allison Mongrain and like it you we haven't really gotten inside Robbie's head. Although you know what, there was some good Robbie scenes around the time of the unmasking, um, the Peter yeah, the Peter just... David stuff that was pretty cool. He's like no no shitty Spider Man. <laughs> Oh, I knew a bag of Craven's last hunt. <laughs> or if not earlier, when, when was the first hint that he knew? Uh, oh, oh uh, back the, in the Lee yeah. Dick, not the Lee Dicko. He wasn't even around Dicko. The Lee Ramita. Well, that I guess I'm referencing because that's the first time I ever well, noticed you it got these Craven's last hunt. Yeah. Uh, let's see. With all the up- upcoming Superior series starting this July, which one are you hoping will last the longest? Superior Carnage. <laughs> <laughs> Superior Spider-Man meets Captain Underpants. I guess Superior Team Up. I guess it's, it's, it's long, since the seventies we've had some kind of Team Up book. It's it's uh, it's like a staple of Spider-Man. Might as well. I want to say Boomerang's in traction, but then he he got science at the end, so he's all better now. He gets science. He got a one up, is what I'm calling yeah, that. Yeah, he had more rings, and you know he's he's a uh... he ate a mushroom. He's bigger. He's good. <laughs> Uh, horror in a sec from Bedford, uh, Canada. <laughs> Question for the group, or whoever Brad thinks best for it. I'll read <laughs> He knows. whoever wants to hop. What'd you say? I said he knows. He knows how you work by now. <laughs> it seems that most readers predict that the Spirit Spider-Man character will eventually re- reverted, and Peter will return as Spidey, possibly just before Amazing Spider-Man 2 hits the theaters, no matter what Mr. Slaughter said. After this happens, do you think Mr. Slot will still be writing Spider-Man, or do you think... He and or Marvel will see the end of Spock and the return of Peter as, Spy- as Spidey as the logical end of his run. Or do you think they'll figure out a way to keep Spock around, i.e. Otto's mind and a clone Peter, and keep the Spirit comic going with Mr. Slot writing it and get a different writer for Peter and Spidey in the resurrected Amazing? I think that uh, Dan Slot kind of end his run on the Spider-Man character by bringing back Peter. But I think it would be an interesting idea that like there would be a new writer for Spider-Man and then Dan Slot would continue writing uh, uh, Peter Puss. And Doc Ock still has his, you know, stolen identity. I don't think Dan Slott is leaving this book unless sales tank and he's fired. I think Dan Dan Slott's on until someone like Josh Whedon says, hey, can you guys give me superiors or amazing, whatever it's going to be called, yeah. Until, like, it it would have to be a hotshot writer because, you know, say say what we will about Dan Slott, um... His his clout, you know, and his reputation has improved within Marvel in the past few years. I think that, you know, Marvel sees him on the level of, you know, these other guys now, like Mark Wade and everything. So I think that, well, I mean, yeah, the way that they hype it up and, you know, I mean, you you see that big ad that they did before, hashtag and everything. It's, I I think that you would need a Josh Whedon or um, who, who, who else? Who were, like or uh, whoever would not Kevin Smith? They're not going to make that mistake. John Favreau, right? Yeah, and his sales would have to go down significantly for them to I get slotted. I would leave there. the book if he felt like he, he he's tapped out. The question is, you know, when, when I, I honestly don't. I honestly he's don't. like said I that he has notebooks of like storylines for years. Yep. God help us. <laughs> yeah. Oh yes. Uh, let's see. I I do think I think when Amazing comes back, Superior will continue. I've predicted it'll be Miguel with twenty nine nine, but uh, oh, yeah. oh, that would be interesting. Well, I, I've said that one for a while. But then the I problem really... is, you know, when they do amazing again, it has to be seven hundred and one. 
because you can't have a continued superiors number, and if superiors oh, they 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 pulled that some before Thor though. They're, they're not gonna like you know pretend that like those issues didn't count as amazing. Yeah. No, no, no. Amazing will start back at number one, and when we get to eight hundred, when you count the superior numbers, then it'll be eight hundred one, eight hundred two. Okay. Guarantee you that. Or, so, yeah. or it'll or it'll be season one because because it has to be the first season. I, I guarantee you that when Amer- Amazing Spider-Man comes back, they will count everything that's come on. That whatever, however many like main Spider-Man issues there have been, if it's Superior Spider-Man, if they go back to like Spider-Man adjective There's, number one, adjective list number one is what I kind of bet they might do. Um, I mean, is there no doubt yeah. that Amazing number one is coming out? There's no I, I doubt. I think they might do something number one. I don't know if it'll be amazing, but whenever they go back to the original numbering, they're going to add up all of these. And then even if the um, like Superior continues, they'll just keep the same numbering for Superior. Like like the the first several issues of Superior will count as issues of both series, just like uh, FF does. Mm -hmm. I agree completely. Combustible Pumpkins. If you guys already answered this, then uh, point me to the podcast and I'll check it out. But here goes. Uh, How would each of you explain how Doc managed the body swipe? To me, it's such a bizarre thing to contemplate. If you guys already dealt with that theme, here's another. Once Peter comes back, will Marvel allow Peter to be changed from all this? Uh, OMD, BND uh, regressed the character a lot with all the fallout from this. uh, Make Peter's character more mature. Thank you. It should, but no. (laughs) Okay, well, the cloth on um, Spider-Man's mask acts as a capacitor for brainwaves when you're wearing the helmet, which made him susceptible for Oct to switch the bodies. Because when the helmet is connected to the cloth from the thing, while Doc Ock's glasses are tuned to the right frequency... As long as it's the windy day outside. Well, hold on. It, it's really simple. Because, you know, then you carry over the six. Honestly, it's... it's and you've been doing um, quantum physics. Yeah. The best explanation that they gave is, like, every time Spider-Man used that mind thingy, like, in Ends of the Earth and in 600, it was gaining Auk access to his brainwaves. And he basically, like, hacked Spider-Man's mind with his, with brainwaves. I don't think that we're going to get a, an explanation any more detailed than that. Um... I'm not sure we need one, but I, I don't want to sound like I'm telling you that you're stupid for being concerned about this, because it is something that, like, yeah, it doesn't make sense if you think about it too much, so my advice is honestly don't think about it that much. Uh, Ultimate Spidey 21 from Houston, Texas. What up, guys? I have one question for all of you. What has been your favorite fight or action scene in all the Spider-Man movies? I'm tied between the train battle scene in Spider-Man 2 and the high school battle scene in Amazing. And, Jr. I want to thank you for introducing me to Star Trek. I heard you talk about it a lot, and I finally decided to watch the original series on Netflix, and I've really been enjoying it. So, yeah, thanks. There you go. we got a Trekkie, Jr. Well, you're quite welcome. Look what you did. Jr. answer you that question. What? what uh, we'll go around the horn. What's your favorite fight scene in the movies? Oh, actually, probably the, uh, the one with the goblin at the end of the uh, first Spider-Man film, because that was just... Uh, uh, you know, I mean, it was it was personal, and they were just beating the crap out of each other. <laughs> yeah, I like the train scene a lot. And I I like how they the train picked him up and carried him, etc. And he was trying to stop the train by putting it on the sides of the buildings with the webs. I that that's my favorite of all of them. Anybody else? You know, uh, what, I, 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 the ahead. train scene the train scene was good. Um, but a runner-up for me is um, 
the one where in number three where Peter and Harry are fighting indoors out of costume and it results in Harry's face getting messed up, that one was pretty good because <laughs> it was sort of down and gritty. The one where he's missing the ring or he goes after the ring? No, and... no, that... I'm that thinking one? of one where they're like in like Harry's apartment or something. Oh yeah, that was yeah that one. That was pretty. I agree. I like baby that one. goblin. He's gonna cry. I like it. He, yeah. he just walks away from Harry. Like the, the Peter doesn't even give him the benefit of looking at him. No, and no, Harry no. like Harry like throws the bomb, and Peter like with no effort like uses it to permanently yep. disfigure him. You yeah. know, I liked him. Um, I uh, I really did like. The fighting, uh, the fight style in the Amazing Spider-Man, because like he used everything he had, his web fluid, his agility, like that to me is like how Spider-Man should fight, like the kind of Todd McFarlane kind of way. But Jr. mentioning it, I, I was gonna say the train suit is, but I really do love the the final fight between him and the Goblin, the first one, because I remember when I was watching in theater ten years ago, um, when he throw when he throws Spider-Man in the in the building and like all the music stops and he crashes the glass and, and the pumpkin bomb blasts part of his mask off and Willem Dafoe beats the shit out of Tobey Maguire. That, to me, in the theater, I was like, you know, yeah, this is Spider-Man. This is exactly like reading a Spider-Man comic, where Spider-Man overcomes the odds and just, like, beats the crap out of the guy. That, that to me, I, I love that so much. I really did. Yep. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> let's see here. Hold on. Oh, Damn. <laughs> The Spot has a question for... He's from England. Ke, uh, Kevin's not on the show. JR, what comics did do you read now other than Spider-Man, and what series other than Spider-Man have you read and enjoyed over the years? Well, right now it's none, because uh, i got a limited yeah. budget, and frankly there aren't that many comics out there that I think is worth four bucks a pop. In the past, oh, Lord, you know... Uh, I hate to admit this. Strangers in Paradise was always a guilty pleasure of mine by, <laughs> by Terry Moore. I don't know why. I just I just thoroughly enjoyed it. I have no idea why. I liked something. The only ma- manga I ever liked was something called Gunsmith Cats. It was about uh, <laughs> two ladies two, two ladies who owned a gun shop, you know, and, oh, yeah. and were bounty hunters. Again, no Never idea. Even heard of that? Uh, no idea why. Uh, I used to like in the 70s the very first Micronauts that Bill Mantlo did. I thought that was a really good sci-fi type series, but they kind of screwed it up by inter- interweaving them too closely with the Marvel Universe. Um, they did that with ROM, too. Yeah. It was like a 70s thing. Wasn't it? Yeah. Um, but I, I did like the original Micronauts run. Uh, God, I'm trying to think of... Uh, I mean, obviously, I have all the old Star Trek comics, but <laughs> most of those yeah, were crap. They aren't very good. They were crap. Yep. Uh, Chris, I've got a legal question for you. I want to ask, but it relates to Iron Man 3, so to avoid spoilers, when I ask next month, have you seen the movie? <laughs> That's not even a question. Uh, well, the answer to your question is that fortune uh, cookies do not need to be imported because they come from America. <laughs> awesome. TNR 105. Uh, let's see. To JR and anyone else who wants to answer Star Trek, what are. There you go, JR. Star Trek, what were your thoughts, and did you have a problem with Benny Dick Cumberbatch with Sherlock being who he was? Oh, I, don't know. I, I haven't seen it. Whatever. <laughs> what? <laughs> Whatever. Shut up. Whatever. Uh. 
Why did I think? Well, obviously, if I saw it six times, I thoroughly, I I loved it. I I just really did. And I did not have a problem at all with Benedict Cumberbatch being con. I mean, people just, Jesus Christ, get a clue, grow up, you know. I mean, Ricardo Montalban was white, for Christ's sake, you know. He was he was he had makeup on when he was in Space Seed. His parents were from Spain. He was he was Western European, you know. Um, and 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 a character like Khan is d- entirely dependent upon the the charisma of the actor. Um, I thought I thought they I thought they did a fine job. I thought they I I frankly would like to see a Khan movie. <laughs> I really would. Well, the thing is, well, spoiler. Um, he's. Do you think he's coming back for the third one? I mean, they've froze him. Uh, I, I think they've left it open. I mean, I think yeah. some. Uh, I think some would. It's just uh, you know, there's just so many people out there bitching and moaning about. Oh, we want to go explore space. We want to whatever new. You know that this is new. It's a different take on. Kind of. I know it. It's uh, it's awesome. Some people oh, are just God. a bunch of damn crybabies. I swear. Here's my question. I, I would like to see him come back. I would, I would, I, I, the thing is, I would like to see his, his backstory fleshed out quite a bit because, I mean, mm-hmm. oh, us old Star Trek fans for years kind of, kind of know it. But I, I think, I think it's an, he's an interesting character. I mean, essentially, he's a, he's a, a warrior prince from a, from the mid, well, he he would have to. He was originally from duh, the 1990s. That didn't work out. Uh, so I mean, he's he really is kind of a warrior king from the uh, from uh, the mid 21st century. And uh, you know, I'd, I'd like to see him kind of fleshed out a little bit. Yeah, I think it'd be awesome. Uh, to Chris the lawyer, Josh Whedon says he's using Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver and Amazing, Amazing Avengers too. But Fox is using the latter in X-Men Days of Future Past. Apparently they co-own the character. Since it'd be at different points in his life, and as long as they don't reference Magneto and Mutants and Avengers, it's all good. So they say, care to explain the legalities behind studio politics? Well, I did... Good luck on that one. I did attempt to do some research on this, and it does not appear that the actual contract between Marvel and Fox is available to the public. I could be wrong on that, but I just I couldn't find that. So I don't know exactly what the terms of their arrangement is. I think I would venture to guess that they don't necessarily co-own the character. It's just that the rights to use the character in movies has been licensed. And it also seems that one might surmise that when Marvel gives Fox like the X-Men license, I don't think they probably enumerate every single individual character in that franchise. It's not like they have a contract that says you get Nightcrawler, Wolverine, Storm, etc. I think it's just you get all the mutants, you get all the X-Men, you get that all the characters associated with that. Um, so when you have a character that's both an X-Man and an Avenger, which Marvel has kept the rights to, I guess they are both technically allowed to use them because they both have uh, some claim to it. But what my understanding is is that Marvel can use them as Avengers, but they cannot refer to mutants or Magneto because those things are clearly just X-Men properties. Um, And that's kind of my speculation on it. I I read one rumor from the Hollywood Reporter that um, Fox owns the 
superhero names, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch, and Marvel can use, and when I say own, they, they own the right to do it, and Ma- Marvel has the actual names Pietro and Wanda, but that sounds like it's just, that that doesn't sound true to me, that's just a weird rumor that I read, um, but that 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 idea is floating out there, too. So, yeah, that's the best I can explain it. And what the kick-ass kid is uh, going to allegedly be um, Quicksilver. Quicksilver and Avengers I don't know about too, that. Is what, is what the, uh, the scuttlebutt, at least today, is. Right. Anyway. Uh, to everyone on the show, Iron Man 3, your thoughts, the ending, the Mandarin, and all that jazz. We've been talking about the Mandarin all uh, okay. show, all four shows. What, what's, what's go around the horn for at least for a grade? J, JR, have you seen Iron Man 3? Yeah, I saw it. What's your grade? What do you think? Uh, I'd probably gave it a B minus. It was it was enjoyable, not near as good as the first one, better than the second, which I think is pretty universal thought. Yeah. Uh, Josh, I saw it three times. Um, wow, nice. Well, <laughs> not all the time was like for myself. Like the first night opening that, I took four kids to see it, and um, I couldn't even enjoy or get into the movie because I had to handle four kids, and like I couldn't hear half of what was going on, and I couldn't understand half of the plot. So I saw it by myself, and then actually, like, two days ago, one of the kids who still hadn't seen it was begging me to take him, so we went again, and um, it's it's enjoyable. I'd probably give it um, a B-, minus, which is funny, because I've been giving a lot of those lately. Um, are, are we giving detailed thoughts on it, or just grades? Oh, you, you can go a little bit. I mean, I don't want to spend too much time on it. Yeah. But, uh... It, you know, it was fun. I like, you know, I like the um the parachute sequence. Well, not parachute. No one had a parachute, but I love that sequence. That was fun. I wish that he would have worn his armor more in the movie, especially at the end. Um, like it, it got ridiculous that for most of the final battle, he wasn't even in his armor. But and th- there was some stuff about the flood. And but that my problem with the Mandarin, the Mandarin was. <laughs> When you have Robert Downey Jr., you know, doing his comedic stuff, and he's playing against someone like Gwyneth Paltrow or Jon Favreau, or like, you know, he's being, or like, you know, Loki, it, it's different. But when he's doing it with whoever, who was playing the Mandarin? Not Ben, not ben Kingsley. Ben, ben Kingsley, okay. Yeah, Ben Kingsley, like, yeah. It, it's like they were, like, trying to, like, it, it's like they were in a uh, high school improv class, and they were, like, trying to outdo each other, and... It didn't feel like a Marvel film at that point. And I felt like Ben Kingsley was trying to channel, you know, Russell Brand from Russell mm. Brand's movies. And it just, yeah. it doesn't feel like a Marvel movie when I have a Russell Brand imitator acting wacky to Robert Downey Jr. acting wacky. It's just, it changes the whole tone and feel of the movie. You can have comedy, but the comedy has to be said in the backdrop of a different world. Now, that didn't ruin the movie for me, Um it had its fun stuff. I am tired of movies ending with a character dying, and then it turns out they're not dead, because at this point it's become cliche. If you're going to pretend yeah. to kill Pepper, have the balls to actually do it. When she fell into that explosion, I was like, oh, damn, they stepped yeah. it up a notch. I, had, You know, they got cojones. But then she comes out and she's fine, which that's fine. You don't have to kill her. But if you're not going to kill her, don't pretend to kill her. What would you give it as a grade? Uh, B minus. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. I didn't. I guess I missed the earlier time. Okay. Chris, what would you give it? I would give it a B minus. Uh, my Don. Uh, oh, oh, go ahead. I was going to give. I was going to give my thoughts if I, okay. if I could. I'll I'll try yeah, and no be problem. quick. But um, my biggest con actually is that it seems like the moral of the story is 
all uh, your woman really wants for Christmas is for you to blow up your dreams. And, 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 um, <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> but all I want for Christmas is to blow up your dreams. But, but the um, the action scenes were great. The airplane scene, I liked all of the scenes of Tony Stark you know, flying in and out of his armor or his armor falling apart or he just has, you know, a glove and a boot or something. Those types of scenes are great. And, um, you know, I don't really have a problem with the Mandarin. I suppose if you love the Mandarin from the comics and you just really have been dying to see that realized in a movie with special effects, you, you would be very disappointed. But You described me. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I'm sure, and I, and that's valid. It's just I have no connection to that character, and so I thought, yeah, that's a fine twist, and I, I was, you know, I was amused by that character, so it was fine. It was fine for the story that they were telling. Don, what would you give it as a grade? And what's your flat C? You, uh, flat, you know, no. I enjoy Tony Stark three, but I think that this is kind of like Spider-Man three in that it's entertaining. At the end of the day, it's a good movie, but it has very clear problems. Um, yeah. I'm not a big Iron Man. I, I, I was on Comic Timing podcast talking about this. I'm not a big Iron Man reader, but when you go into a movie, with, you know, hyping up his greatest nemesis, you have certain expectations, and I think that like yeah. doing a very, you know, like like unfunny and eventually dated joke of a character and making the joke, you know, like I think I think I don't think it can be argued whether you cared about how they did the manner or not. In terms of translation, that was like weapons great betrayal. So if you're a Mandarin fan, mm-hmm. don't see this movie. If you're a War Machine fan, don't see this movie because Don Cheadle didn't do dick. If you want to see <laughs> Iron Man this movie, it's basically you know Tony, Jar- Tony Stark platform jumping from one easily destroyable armor to another. And yeah. Guy Pierce's plan was stupid as hell. He basically took a bunch of you know, like, like trained war veterans who lost their um, limbs in battle, said, hey, let's kill the president and take over the world. And they said, okay, and um, gave them volcano powers. And they called that a supervillain. I thought that was like, the, the dumbest plot I've seen in a long time. So, I mean, I don't, I didn't hate the movie. I enjoyed it, but like, this thing had problems, and I could not get past them. Yeah, I'd give it a C plus, B minus. Uh, the Mandarin. This is Iron Man's biggest villain. He's the most recognizable Iron Man villain. He doesn't have the Rogues Gallery of say Batman or Spider Man, but the Mandarin is his Green Goblin, and and it's his Joker. And this is like Over. having a Batman. And this, <laughs> this is like having a Batman movie, and the Joker turns out to be Bozo the Clown. Uh, I, I mean, it's just, it, it was, I, I was expecting that the trailer looked like he was the Mandarin. It was just a twist that I didn't care for. And I thought it was a, uh, just, I don't but know. To me, oh. like, what, what they had in place of him wasn't good enough, in my opinion. I, I agree, I agree. And and you you, it allu- you alluded to the Ten Rings in the very first movie. The other problem I had with it, I I thought uh, Tony wasn't in the suit enough. Nope. And uh, this also didn't have um, any progression to the next chapter of Marvel movies, which the first one and the second one did. It was setting up Avengers. I don't think that they have to though. At this, the, I think that that that, that the, it's such a well-oiled machine at this point that you can do standalones. Well, it, it didn't work for me. I mean, that was just my complaint of it. I I would like some setup for the next one. Yeah, but two, something like to that. To be fair, the first, to be fair. First, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. With the first one, you had Nick Fury. Oh, I want to see more. Of what's happening in this world? And the second one, you had uh, him 
talking about the Avengers Initiative and the Hulk was in the background and the Black Widow was opening up the universe even more. This one, we just had like a throwaway scene of, of a very old-looking <laughs> Bruce Banner. His hair was gray. It looks like he was filming another movie, uh, etc. That, that was just dis- that was another disappointment. Because if I stick around after those long ass credits, I want I want to be like, whoa! I can't wait to come back in a couple of years. This going down. This one was just like a little chuckle. So anyway, that was my complaints about the movie. I do feel like they're phoning it in with some of these post credits sequence these days. Yeah, because it used to be like, oh my god, and then Avengers, it was you know shawarma, and then this, it's. Therapy. Uh, one one thing that people have responded with the Mandarin thing that I I do have to bring up is they're like, well, would you rather have it be you know a racist caricature? You can't do that nowadays. So let's and make them a racist say, Muslim caricature. So what, what I say to those people is, you're acting like those are your only two choices to make him Russell Brand or to make him a racist caricature. Th- those aren't the only two choices that that you have. Just saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Brad, would it be possible to change my handle to War Machine Xerox? War Machine Rocks. War Machine, War Machine. War Machine Rocks. I'm going to not mess that one up at all. Uh, so much better than the Iron Patriots. Just said throw Iron Patriots, take, one of our users, so it, that, that's Patriot. a joke. Yeah. Uh, I guess. I don't really know how to change handles, but... We can go in the app. We can go in the admin thing. It's like the problem is like if if we let him do it, then everyone's going to start saying, "Can we change handles?" But I almost want to let him do it for the lols. TNR. TNR. We right. will discuss your situation in the admin thread. Spider-Man three posts. Everyone during the Marvel DC. Marvel vs. DC series, they had been Riley costume Spider-Man, but it was Peter Parker under the mask. He was single, working at the Bugle, but saying his alias was Ben Riley when he was taking photos. Anyone know the story behind this? Was the original direction that Marvel one. was aiming for, but only pulled the trigger on during that miniseries? Go, Don. Um, actually, no. Like, like uh, yeah, He called himself Ben Riley, but he said his professional name was Peter Parker. And it was basically like pretty much Peter Parker outside the costume with the, with the leather jacket and the camera and the brown hair. But Spider Ben in like this, uh, but you know Spider Man the Ben Riley costume, and I've not read anything about this, but to me it's apparent that like they wanted Spider Man in this in this you know landmark uh, miniseries which will never have been forgotten, uh, at least in terms of you know Donovan <laughs> Grant. But um, <laughs> like uh, they want you know they had to say it's Peter Parker. Even in the bios at the very end of the trait, it says you know his real name is Peter Parker, his alias is Ben Riley. So it really was Ben Riley according to continuity. But for the sake of the purposes, this to say, okay, this is just Peter Parker using a different costume and calling himself Ben Riley sometimes, which isn't actually true to continuity, but like... So dumb. It, it, it's like for all intents <laughs> and purposes, it's both of them. Uh, Bertoni, in a strange series of events, Betty Brant is bonded to the Venom symbiote. What's the first thing she does? <laughs> I, want to, I want to know about these strange series of events. You know, yeah. see, that's the interesting story. Uh, Betty bonded yeah. to the symbiote. Yeah, that, that's been something that we've been wondering about for a while. I think, didn't you mention that to um, Colin Bunn in your interview? I, I think I did, yeah. Yeah, I think she would probably take out all of her frustrations on either Flash or Peter because she blames all the problems in her life on her exes. Um, it would be funny, though. If she attacked Jonah, because you know, as as horrible as <laughs> as horrible as Betty is, she was Jonah's like secretary for years, so she probably had to put up with a lot of stuff. So, so there's that. Um, funny. I also think she might go after Kingsley. Uh, do you, uh, 
That's not a bad story. I like that. In the, I know this is true in the um, the '90s series, but in the comics, do the hosts of the symbiote get the memories of the previous hosts? They used to because that Eddie Brock knew. Yeah. So so that that would mean in this scenario, uh, Betty would have Flash's memories. So what would she do with those? For Tony, go. She would she would probably wow. she would probably ignore them. Or, or actually, no, no, she would use them against him. She'd be like, I have these memories of you, you know, like, thinking about boobs while we were on this date. How dare you do that on our date three years ago? <laughs> no man would ever like, do that. Because it's not like the memories make you understand the person any better, because Eddie Brock had all of Peter's memories, but he still hated Peter for the Sin Eater thing. So, yeah, it would probably be like, you know, you dated Felicia Hardy after we broke up. How could you do that while we were broken up, or... Oh my God! You thought that you thought this dirty thought about you know Liz Allen. How could you flirt with Liz Allen before we ever met? I hate you. We're on a break. Let's blow up your apartment, Jr. As you know, Spider-Man tends to die in the what ifs and the alternate reality stories a lot. What's your favorite Spider-Man death? I'm partial to the Infinity Gauntlet where he's beaten to death with a rock by She Thanos <laughs> because there's really nothing more ridiculous than that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kind of the problem with some of those what-if stories. I just think they're just excuses for the, the writer to just go crazy and satisfy their bloodlust and kill everybody off. But uh, the uh, actually, the the one that I, um, my favorite is probably the one that we didn't see. And I, I've referred to it a number of times before. It's the the one in the uh, old, in an old Guardians of the Galaxy where they... Um, the, they found the suit. They found the suit. Yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. I was just thinking that. Yeah, too. they awesome. um, basically the the way they they uh, they they turned the guardians in like the old War of the Worlds. They put it into one alternate continuity, and the Martians came, or they really weren't from Mars ultimately. But anyway, the Martians came, conquered Earth, killed all the superheroes, but Spider-Man was the last to fall. Uh, yeah. And I just thought that was I just I thought that was good, you know. I mean, I, I thought actually it made sense, you know. He's not the strongest, he's not the smartest, but he probably is the most resourceful, and uh, you know, he probably and and you know, with his determination and other things, he probably would uh, hang around for a while. So mm-hmm. um, I like that. I like that idea, and that, and the, that the conquerors even admired him and had a museum to him. Yeah. Did you read that whole run of the Guardians oh, back no, in the nineties? No, no, no. I liked it a lot. I, I read all sixty issues. I, I I liked it a lot. Yeah, I have absolutely no interest in this new Guardians movie with that. Really? With the no 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 with the talking tree and the the, the talking the raccoon the talking squirrel or whatever he is, rodent or whatever he is. The uh, that, that book is really good. I don't know if you if you have no interest in it, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but I liked it. Uh, amazing OSU man twenty three posts. All right, if Pete and Mary Jane are not going to get back together, who would you think is, if she became involved with? Kane or Ben Riley? Who's Mar- Mary Jane hooking up with? I think that the last thing, um, and I know this from personal experience, that when when you've just left a long relationship with someone, the last thing you want to do, unless you're really, really emotionally unstable and on the rebound, is get with someone who is just like your ex. Um, yeah, but that is, that is the most healthy. Yeah, there there was a woman trying to get with me at the end of last year, and she was too much like my ex that I I, I couldn't do it. it. It was. However, people tend to go back to similar patterns or t- similar people. He's similar patterns, but but not a yeah. clone. You need to learn from your <laughs> you need to learn from your mistakes. 
Yeah. And many people don't, sir. Many people don't. Yeah, I mean, I'd say put Mary Jane with a new character. Don't, like, have her hook up with Harry or someone again. Um, Not Pedro. Wolverine. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Would this fit well with the general... Ag- uh, what's that word? Agstiness? Agstiness. Angstiness, there you go, of Spider-Man for when Peter finally returns and we all know he's going to, don't we? It's all my fault. It's all my fault. He's with my, she's with my clone. All right, we've got uh, Lady Spider for our last question. Yay. From Earth 2. To the group, how do you feel about superheroes who kill? Do you feel it's necessary when the hero is backed into a corner where he or she has no other options, or do you feel it's just lazy storytelling? JR, you're a bloodlusting. <laughs> oh, you this think? One, yeah. <laughs> what do you think? Heroes who kill, are they heroes? That is such a. That, that, that's a question uh, with a scope almost beyond the topic of the time we have left at 2.30 in the morning. Um, it, it depends. The Punisher, yes. Spider Man, no. Um, it depends on the type of the, the type of hero and the situation he's confronted with. I mean, personally, I think Batman should have killed the Joker. <laughs> you yeah, know, it, it, it you, you make a, a villain so disgusting, the hero ultimately, I mean, you don't want to see the hero kill because you don't want to see him cross that line. You know, because theoretically, if Batman kills the Joker or Spider-Man kills Norman Osborn, then, then once they do that, it's like, what's to stop them from saying, hey, you know, rationalizing killing others? But the thing is, by letting the Joker live, Batman is it's irresponsible yep. to let the Joker live. So, you know, Lady Spider, not to I, – I don't want to make light of your question, but it, it just depends. I mean, uh, the, it, it depends on who the hero is and what his situation is. Mary Jane is da- – or Gwen Stacy is dangling off a bridge. Can I uh, answer this? Or let's yeah, yeah, go ahead. Uh, go ahead. Apparently, like it seems to me from what I've read, that like the only heroes who do refrain from killing at all costs are Spider-Man, Batman, and Superman. It seems like every single hero, especially the Marvel heroes, like really don't give a shit. Like, 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 they, like they'll, they'll, like, they won't even like put up a. Like, I know back in the Silver Age and Mar- uh, Bronze Age, they did. Like by this time, they're like more than willing to kill, and they won't blink twice about it, even the, the Marvel, uh, the DC characters. And I think that it's interesting because those three characters are like the most popular superheroes in mainstream media, and I think that honestly. Because I think uh, the willingness, like like the, the the moral code not to kill villains is almost anachronistic. That I think it's interesting that that, that these characters are are the ones you know, they these are the most popular and they are the ones to kind of keep keep that code. That it makes them stand out and makes them a, a bit more interesting. Because I honestly think that like the fact that people don't blink an eye at killing, you know, not putting personal policies into it, I think it's a bit psychologically you know uh, lazy to kind of not analyze that. Yeah, I thought Batman killed. It was you guys that told me he didn't. I I thought he killed. Iron Man three had a body count, like he was killing people left yeah. and right there. Um, I, I think it depends yeah. on the hero. Yeah, I can. I'll just step in and say Get that it. I think you know it's good to have a variety of characters with a variety of different philosophies, and they should you know generally be written consistently with their characters. And since they're different characters, they'll make different choices, and that's what makes a wide and diverse fictional universe interesting, and so we should have all types. You know, for a character that has been through a war, you don't really see Captain America killing people. I thought that really established that, like, he, he'll he kill people, but he won't, like, smile when he does it. 
I think I've never remember a single scene of any comic where Cap has killed somebody. I, I, but I could World War II, I know I have. I, I'm pretty sure Cap ha- does kill people if necessary. Um, I'm thinking like in like the first issue of the Brubaker run, he was like, I think if I remember correctly, he was like throwing guys off a train because they were going to bomb it, and like oh. you assumed they died. But um, um, Bailey talked about this on Views and Longbox, yeah. like where like. I don't know if it was Mark Gruenwald or somebody, some writer like put in that like he didn't kill during the war, and then another writer came in and said that like like no stupid he actually did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of those things. I, I think Captain America wouldn't kill if he could avoid it, and he's just so good at what he does that most of the time he just can avoid it. Yeah. I know the X Men are all about killing like these days. Like they they they've totally gone beyond giving a shit. Like especially Cyclops, like he'll like say, oh, you oh, yeah. you littered you know on this mutant long you know." <laughs> <laughs> you littered on the mutant lawn. All right, uh, let's go around the horn for uh, recommendations. Uh, Don, what do you recommend this month? Um, I recommend something from Marvel, something from DC, and something from your local movie theater. Nice, um, nice. I uh, I mentioned this a few months ago, back in March, that like I uh, for the Batman Universe, I did Robin special. So this time, I'm kind of gearing up for uh, doing a Batgirl special, and in preparation for that, I've read. Uh, Barbara Gordon comics and Cassandra Kane comics, and I'm about to read Stephanie Brown comics. And I read as much Cassandra Kane comics as, as I uh, as I can get my hands on because she is one of my all time favorite characters. If you've not read the uh, Kelly Puckett, Damian Scott, 37 issue Cassandra uh, Kane Batgirl run from like around like like two like 1999 2000 to 2003, I highly recommend it because that is some of the best comics out there. It's very very good. It's very, very like like uh, bereft of uh, dialogue, though, because a lot of it kind of you know is like showing and not telling. And, like the character rarely speaks, but because of that, it makes the, the issues come off a lot stronger. So I highly recommend that if you're interested. Um, also, Marvel: The Untold Tale. <laughs> I've been telling Josh about this all week because I you know because I'm poor. It's a good book. I'm, I'm about halfway through it. I'm poor and have no money, so I just go to Barnes and Noble and read it whenever I can <laughs> until they kick me out. You just put a bookmark in it. You come back later. <laughs> But uh, man, th- this book has so much dirt. I thought I knew Marvel history, but it's hilarious. Um, yeah, I was telling Josh on the phone, like you know, the whole Superman Spider-Man story where Lynn Ween didn't know that Ross Andrews going to draw it, and like he says, well, why why wasn't I told about, told about this? And then some guy says, you know, because it was none of your effing business. And he hurls himself at him like Marvel Woman has to break up the fight. I'm reading this like you know, like this is insane. This is absolutely insane. Like like just like, and that's like the tip of the iceberg, you know, the fact that like uh, Steve Englehart and um, Jim Starlin were completely wasted when they were writing Doctor Strange and Captain Power and all those characters. Like, this, it's hilarious, and um, I, I highly recommend it if you want like an E2 Hollywood story, gossip mongering kind of tale on the Marvel comics history. Um, yeah. and also um, as, as incongruous with recommending Star Trek uh, Into Darkness, which was awesome. Fast and the Furious Six. I'm not. A, I'm, I've not seen. Uh, Fast and Furious 3 through 5. I've only seen the first two. So I'm not a huge fan of the series, but this is a really fun movie. Um, if, if, if you're going with the right mindset, it's, like, it's a complete cartoon. You know, at one point, The Rock and, and um, Vin Diesel legitimately fly. They, they can fly in this movie. So the action scenes, the action scenes are, are superhero-ish. Are just balls out crazy. But like it's it's especially if you go in there with the right theater mindset because if the theater starts laughing when they start to fly, it's a, it's a fun movie. So I recommend that. That is funny. Uh, Bertoni recommendations. 
Okay, I'm going to do something that um I, I got mad when someone else did this on the podcast. I'm not naming names, but someone used their recommendation time as an excuse to tell a story instead of actually recommending something. But I'm going to do it. Um, uh, I, I took a trip to New York last week, so yeah, that'll be my recommendation. Uh, New York City, and I had fun. Uh, saw former Spider-Man crawlspace co-host Stella. Um, hey. Also got to meet uh, poster Greg XB and uh, a former website member Gerard Delator. Walked around New York City was great. Um, I had not, I, I was born in New York, but I left when I was like two, and whenever I've gone back to visit, it's been relatives' houses, so it's probably been 20 years since I've gone into the city, and um, I, I did, so. it was for research for the book I'm doing about wings, I met with two of the members at the cutting room, and which was a great concert, so had a great week in New York, um, and it was good to see uh, some crawl spacers over there. A buddy of mine at work went and saw Paul McCartney in uh, uh, Tulsa, so it was a great show. Yeah, yeah, I, I skipped it this time because it was seeing yeah. Paul in Orlando or going to New York, and um, I've seen Paul in concert enough times that honestly, it's um, it, it, it's cool, but it's you know, it I don't feel like I'm missing anything that I'm going to what are, super regret. What are with. tickets? Prices for Paul McCartney, by the way. You can get like you know nosebleed seats for about fifty dollars. You can get front row oh, seats for about fifteen hundred dollars. Man. Yeah. Cool. I, Any I, other recommendations? I wanted there? I wanted front row seats. Um, <laughs> gosh, nothing that comes to mind. I mean, maybe I can sure. recommend Man of Steel, and we'll see if I'm right in a week when it comes out. But by the oh, time yes. you guys listen, by you guys listen, by the time you guys listen to this, the internet will have already hated it for some reason. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it. Also, I'm, it's promising. Uh, let's see, Jr. What do you recommend, sir? Uh, well, sleep. I'm not, <laughs> yeah, and I'm not going to recommend Star Trek in the Darkness because I've already talked about that. And I just I want to do something a little different. Don't want to be that predictable. But I had a chance. It's it's a I had a chance to actually see the movie version of V for Vendetta. Oh yeah. Um, I ha- and I happen to have the graphic novel. Um, it, it, I, for those of you who, who, you know, who, who like both comic books and like movies and like comic book movies, V for Vendetta is a very interesting and odd movie because the writers of the movie, I mean, one, I mean, V for Vendetta, the graphic novel is just very dense, very thick, mm-hmm. very dense. There is absolutely no way. No way you could do it justice in a two-hour movie. You'd have to do a miniseries. But that being said, it's clear that the, the, the producers, the screenwriters, had respect for the source material. I mean, you recognize the char- most of the characters are there. You recognize there's a lot of the dialogue is even lifted from the graphic novel. So they definitely respect the source material. But the fact that the original book was written in the ni- early 1980s, um, that it was pre- that it was predicated on things that didn't happen, um, you know, like the conservatives losing the elections in the mid '80s and the the Labor Party taking over. The fact that you know, 30 years later, we realize that there is no way anybody survives an all-out nuclear war, <laughs> um, and so. The, so the 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 nightmare the, the 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 they can't the nightmarish world that the comic book exists in doesn't exist in the movies and it can't, probably can't and so the movie even though it does what it can it doesn't pull it off it's 
it's just it's a very interesting contrast of I, I think I mean I don't think the movie is entirely successful, but it tries. Um, so you know, it's a weird I don't know I, it's a weird recommendation, but I really think if you've read the graphic novel, you ought to see the movie and kind of compare and contrast, and you can see yeah. what a difficult. Um, Ob- objective it is to try to faithfully bring some uh, a classic uh, comic to the screen. I've uh, I saw the movie and I read the comic like when the movie was coming out and I enjoyed the movie. You know I didn't really have anything against it, but to me like the biggest like thing you can kind of take away from it. And I forget what year the movie came out, but like um, the book is you know, like I said it's very dense. It's more like I think fascism versus anarchy. Anarchy, and the movie to me felt very much like a like a anti Bush statement. Yeah, I yeah, well, anti-Bush Cheney thing because yeah, that was, I'm frankly glad you mentioned that because the difference between the the the, the movie cops out, the movie cops out in the <laughs> book in the in the book the the reason Britain turns to fascism is it's almost like a survival mechanism. The people turn to it because because the, their world has fallen apart. Their world has completely fallen apart. And so they, they turn to fascism as a way of bringing order. Unfortunately, that order comes at a very high price. But in the movie, it's basically almost super villains. You know, they unleash the, you know, the, the bad guys. Oh, it, the bad guys in power, it turns out they, they unleash this virus on purpose, you know, and then you use that to take over. So the, the, in that way, the movie definitely cops out and cheats. Yeah. Anything else, Jr.? That was good. That's Anything it. else, Jr.? No, that, that's it. Okay. Uh, Chris, recommendation, sir. Hmm. Uh, I'm enjoying Mad Men, uh, Game of Thrones. <laughs> uh, yeah, dude. Yeah. Um. And uh, I think that's all I got. Sorry, I've been I've been moving and stuff, so you know I'll, I'll probably have more next time. I laughed. Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones was on my list of uh, recommendations. This apparently month. killed the internet a few days ago. That did kill the internet. All right. Uh, what else do I have? Let me get my list going. We got Game of Thrones. Uh, Bates Motel. I, I watched the season finale of that on A&E. Very good. If you like the uh, Hitchcock original, not the, uh, oh, what's the guy, uh, the remake, the 1998 Anne H. movie. Uh, but uh, the original. Yeah. Vince Vaughn, that's who I couldn't think of. Uh, yeah, great, great uh, continuation. Gets a little backstory of Norman. They had cast a great kid as Norman Osborn. No, not not Norman. Osborn. <laughs> Norman Bates. <laughs> like, well, I got my Normans. Got my Normans confused. There you go. Uh, a book that I didn't think I'd like, uh, but I finally got around to reading it. And I think a big part of why I liked it was uh, Mr. Yost. Uh, Battle scars. It, it basically explains how we have a black Nick Fury in the Marvel Universe. Good. Better to explain why that, that is. <laughs> is it just Evidently, one page and says because of the movies? Well, <laughs> I, it, basically Nick Fury got a little got a little busy and oh. uh, tried to hide the baby, etc. Anyway, <laughs> I, I, I'm amazed. I'm amazed. I liked it as much as I did. I really am. Uh, Christo, Christopher Yost is a very good writer, and he also is uh, the author of my next recommendation, which is Scarlet Spider number 17. I read this m- book last night. It was an A-plus out of me. Kane is a badass. He 
he takes on the whole damn X-Men. He goes and oh, yeah. tries to kill Wolverine. That was a good issue. And holy cow, was that great. And it reminded me, like, George Behrman always quotes Secret Wars number three as one uh, proves how much of a badass Spider-Man oh, is yes. by taking on all of the X-Men in a couple panels and kicking their ass. Kane does the same thing. And he... he, he what, What's the uh, the other claw that uh, Kane has? He comes out of his... his uh, I guess where his web shooter would be. He stabs Wolverine in the heart and kills him. I mean, good God! Yeah, that's kind of like a, a non-cliffhanger, because if you know anything about Wolverine, you know he's not dead, but... Exactly. He kills Why did he do that? He, well, he he owes. He, have you not read Scarlet yeah, Spider? There are these like assassins that were going after him and some people he knows, and he said like, yeah. if you if you leave me alone and 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 you stay away from like my people, well, I'll I'll give you one murder. And um, then in this arc, they come back and say, okay, Wolverine. Yeah, Watch take Wolverine more. out. And uh, I think it's the same uh, group that uh, Gambit hangs out with, right? The, the, the thieves. No, 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 the no, Assassin's Guild. The Assassin's Guild. That's how I think Gambit hangs out with, and they uh, they owe a debt, or Kane owes a debt to him. Anyway, I wish more people were reading Scarlet Spider because God bless, that's a great book. Granted, we had a hiccup when they all went minuscule in the microverse, but good lord, it's back on track and it's awesome. Don't you think? Ape? Does anybody else think that Yost would be a good successor to Dan Slott when that time comes? Yes. Put him on the book tomorrow. Today, uh, yesterday. Only, only if you made more serious. That escalated quickly. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway, that's my recommendations. Uh, gang, final thoughts? JR? <sighs> I'm going to bed. Me too, dog. Uh, Josh, final thoughts? Um, I was about... I was about to say that, well, you know, no arrests or kids peeing in the bed tonight, but, um, of course, the night has given us some other surprises. Um, <laughs> we'll see you all next time. <laughs> Chris, final thoughts? Uh, I'm, I'm happy to be here. Uh, yeah, sometimes, sometimes on these um, late night recording sessions, I, I start to get a little loopy and I start to feel a little irritable, so if any of that came off, I apologize, but I definitely always love recording yeah. day. And like you said in your text earlier today, I look forward to this every month, too. Yeah. I, I have a good time just chatting Spider-Man with my buddies. And, Mr. Don, what's your final thought? I, I You had the first thought of the podcast, if I remember correctly. You get the last. Well, um, uh, I, like Chris, I, I look forward every month to recording these. These are always fun about to listen to and record, um, even if it goes late at night. Uh, if you are a young lady and you have a crush on a handsome boy, ask him out because YOLO. If you are a young man and you have a crush on an attractive young lady, what? ask her out because yellow. And um, basically, do what you want to do because life is short. Buy what you want to buy, achieve what you want to achieve, and follow your dreams and your heart. Holy cow, it's waxing poetic on me, Don. I can't believe that. you pulled a YOLO. You did, you pulled YOLO out of it. I, 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 I'll, I'll be ashamed of myself when I listen back to this. No, man. no, no, you're, it was eloquent. It was eloquent. And we'll wrap the show up right about there. Before we go, I want to give another shout-out to our sponsor, MailOrderComics.com. Another example of their great prices is on Superior Foes of Spider-Man number 2. In this one, the Punisher tries to take the team out before the second issue is even done. Well, the cover price is $2.99. 
Mail order has it for just a buck eighty-five. So check them out at mailordercomics.com. Thanks for listening, gang. I'm your host and webmaster, Brad Douglas, for the Spider-Man Crawlspace.com.